Thank you so much for joining us at Remnant Church Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more or support this ministry, please go to remnantchurch.church. And now, the message from Pastor Caleb. Amen. Praise the Lord. Come on, let's give God praise one more time. Hey, and I'm still excited about the 15 people that gave their life to Jesus this past Sunday. What a blessing that is. If this is your first time here, I got so called up uh, earlier, I didn't, wasn't able to do this. But if this is your first time here, you're new here, we want to welcome you to Remnant. We're so honored to have you. Out in front of you, this blue card says, Welcome Home. Put, out, put, a, put as much information as you feel comfortable doing. Drop it off at the front when you walk out today at the visitor's table. And uh, we want to give you a gift. As well, as, as well we're uh, honoring all of our teachers and school faculty today. If you do anything in the school system, public or private, we honor you today. And I know you probably got started last week. Waycross is getting started. Ware County is getting started uh, Monday, th- tomorrow. So we want to pray over you, and we've got a gift we want to give you. Can we show some love to our educators and our bus drivers and those who work in nutrition and janitorial services in our school system, we honor you today. Well, this Tuesday, I was in my office. And God spoke, I don't want to sound super spiritual, and I don't want to say I heard a voice, but God is such a great God that when he speaks to us, you can... It's not, you don't hear him because he's, so better, he's greater than that. It's like you sense him and that's all these things all in one. And I was praying about what to talk about today, what to preach on. Earlier, we'd had staff meeting and, and we were talking about what was going to happen today or what we thought might happen today. And... There was some questions asked about what direction I was going in as far as preaching, because there's a lot of things that we try to do to, to gear up for that. And, and I, I knew what God was dealing with me about, but then I also wanted to go in another direction. And so Tuesday, as I was praying, God was speaking to me. And now he talks to me like this, kind of rough sometimes. And he, he said, would you just stop? Just stop what you're doing. Because I was trying to come up with some wonderful, spectacular, great series to preach to you. And God said, I want you to preach about my son. The gospel. I knew that. But I didn't, wasn't going to do that. You ever known to do something, but you didn't do it? Just me, huh? I said to God, you're right. Tears began to roll down my face. I texted the staff and every, I said, come in here, come in here, quick, come. They didn't know what was wrong. They sat down and I said, what's wrong with me? And they were looking kind of funny. I'm glad I continued because they were going to start naming things that was wrong with me. I said, what's wrong with me? They were looking crazy. I said, what's wrong with us? Why are we so hard-headed? 
This thing's about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Jesus is the power of the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation. Romans chapter 1 verse 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it is the power of God. The gospel is not a thing. It's not a story. The gospel has a name and it's Jesus. You hear me? Jesus is the power of the gospel. A gospel without a Jesus, the pa- Paul said, is another gospel. And he said, let them be accursed that preach anything other than Jesus Christ. We, I know this. You've heard this. But isn't it, isn't it true that we can get off track? Isn't it true that we can get all focus? This is the gospel. You say, I'm an artist today. I'm to paint a picture of Jesus. I don't want you focusing on me. I want you focusing on the painting today. I'm an artist. And then some of you would say, and we talked about this last week, the gospel doesn't mean it. I need something more. Tell me something more. There is nothing more. You know how many times I've got up and preached a motivational speech? That's all it was. Because it was absent of Jesus. It was absent of the gospel. And it has no power. It might create a tingling down your spine. It might mess with you emotionally. But it will not change you. But Jesus will change you. Jesus will revive you. See, hear me. I'm an artist with a paintbrush painting a picture of Jesus. Forget about what I look like. This is victory. The gospel is victory for the saint. It's salvation for the sinner. And as I'm painting a picture of Jesus this morning for the believer, I want you to fall more in love with him. You want to know what my goal is for preaching today? Is that you fall more in love with Jesus. For the unbeliever, I pray it's love at first sight. I pray that when you see Jesus today, you say, I want him. Because, friend, here's the thing. Here's the deal. He's already chosen you. His love is not to be questioned. It's already been demonstrated in this manner. For God loved you so much that while you were yet a sinner, he gave his son Jesus to die for you. His love is already on record this morning. So you ready? Want to talk about Jesus today? All right, here we go. Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11. Now, you've got to understand that this writer of Hebrews is talking about the old covenant and he's comparing it to the new covenant. And every time he compares one or the other, the new covenant is always better. Jesus is always supreme. The writer of Hebrews is trying to tell us that Jesus is better. Now, let me help you understand about the old covenant. The old covenant is in the first part of the Bible. And then part of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is the Old Covenant. The New Covenant doesn't begin until Jesus Christ is crucified, buried, and rises again. At the moment of his resurrection, we enter into a new covenant. The Bible says a new covenant with better promises. A better covenant. Nothing compares to Jesus. Now watch this. But Christ has appeared as a high priest of the good things that has come. Hold on. This is good news. Are you with me this morning? What I'm talking about this morning is good news. You can hear all kind of bad news, right? 
Turn on the news and hear bad news. There is no good news. But friend, there is good news in Christ. Jesus is good news. Jesus is the gospel. But Christ has appeared as the high priest of the good things that have come. In the greater and more perfect tabernacle. Now you've got to understand what is the writer talking about. In the old covenant, there was a see before Jesus died. Before Jesus was born on this earth and took on flesh and all that. There was a system in place by God. It was a sacrificial system. There was a priest set up and and, and animals would be sacrificed. And the blood of the animals would cover sin. Now notice it's not a better covenant because it doesn't erase sin. It doesn't eradicate sin. It doesn't remove sin. It just covers sin. This would be done at the day of atonement. The sacrifice would be given to the priest. And for one year, sins would be covered. But it wouldn't be covered forever. You'd have to do it over and over again. And then in between that, then in between that, personally, you would offer up sacrifices as well for sins that you knew you committed. So watch this. You've got sins that you sacrifice, animals that you sacrificed yourself for sins that you committed. And then you had the day of atonement where you, your sins that you don't know, maybe you did or maybe you didn't do, are forgiven. And the writer of Hebrews says, but this is a better priest of good things in a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands. Speaking of heaven, next verse. He, Jesus, entered the most holy place once for all time, not by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. Today, I want to talk about the blood of Jesus. I want to dive deeper into God's grace by talking about his blood. The Bible says the blood of the animals, they couldn't bring you into relationship with God. But by my own blood, now watch this, I have obtained, you need to, I don't, if you got your Bible, you need to circle this. You need to underline this. You, you're looking for a new tattoo? Tattoo the page number where this is on. On your arm where you can look at it. Having obtained, watch this, eternal redemption. I don't know why it is, but when I, you go to these like department stores to buy clothes, they, none of them have air conditioners. Have you noticed that? It's all, or it's just me, I don't know. Just hot, always hot in there. I'm thinking, man, I'd stay here longer, spend more money if you'd bump the air down just a little bit. So for me, changing clothes, trying clothes on, that's out the window. I don't try clothes on. I buy clothes and hope for the best. (laughs) Right? Anybody do that? Is it just me? Because it's weird anyway, right? You get in a little room, there's, 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 uh, there's uh, pins all over the place, and then you're, you're standing in front of a mirror, and you don't really want to see yourself, but there you are. <laughs> Everywhere you look, there you are. There you are again. You don't know which way to turn. Then you think, I'm trying on these clothes that somebody else has probably already tried on. So guess what? I don't do that. I hope for the best and I keep my receipt. Why? Well, just in case, I want to take it back. 
Jesus has obtained an eternal redemption, an eternal purchase. What I'm trying to say is Jesus has bought you with his blood, purchased you, and thrown away the receipt. Why? Because he is never going to take you back. Never. You know why that's so important to understand? Look at me right now. You know why that's so important to understand? Because you want to give up. You want to quit a lot of the time. You want to throw in the towel and you need to know what Jesus says about you. He says you don't give up because I'm never going to give up on you. You want to throw in the towel? Fine. Throw in the towel. But I'm going to throw it back at you because I'm not going to quit on you. Therefore, you cannot quit on me. See, some of you are so easy to quit because you feel like God's already given up. And there's nothing that you can do to cause God to give up on you. There's no place you can go that caused God to give up. There's no, you can't mess up too many times. You can't get too far. The Bible says that you can make your bed in hell or you can spend some time up in heaven. Wherever you are, he said, I will be there with you. Hear me. I've learned this about Satan. And I don't want to talk about him much. Because this is about Jesus. But I will say this. He's cunning and he's crafty. In fact, the Bible tells us that he appears as an angel of light, right? Why? Because he's he's incognito. He's hiding. He's cunning. He's crafty. He's sneaky. He's deceitful. He's deceiving. And he sounds just like you. See, in my own life, I found out that Jesus speaks in the first person. I mean, Satan speaks in the first person. Excuse me. Satan, what what do I mean by that? Well, he sounds like me, and he says things like this. I can't do this. I'm just going to give up. And it sounds like you, so therefore you think it's you. But there's a seed of Jesus on the inside of you. You don't make those kind of sounds. You can't quit because you've got a seed of a person. You've got the seed of God in you that won't give up. That You can put, a, put him in a tomb and roll the stone in front of the tomb and he'll push the stone out of the way. Do you understand what I'm saying this morning? And sometimes you'll hear it and it'll sound like you. Therefore, you think it's you, but it's not you. It's Satan. Therefore, how do we combat the roar of the enemy? By the truth of God's word. Is anybody listening to me today? By the truth of God's word. And God said I will not give up on you. I will not quit on you. I will not throw you away. I'm in it to win it baby. I'm with you. I will never leave you. Nor forsake you. This is an eternal redemption. Is anybody thankful for that today? Is anybody glad about that today? He said, by his own blood, having obtained an eternal redemption. Verse 14. How much more will the blood of Christ, there it is, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleansed with his blood, done what the animals, the the blood of bulls and goats could not do, Cleansed our conscience 
from dead work so that we could serve the living God, cleansed us on the inside. Listen to me now. Wake up. What's so different about the blood of Jesus and what you can do for yourself? See, you, all you can do is focus on the outside. So you can wear the right clothes. You can change the way you talk. You can do all these things and fix the outside. But the problem is not the outside. The problem is the inside. And the blood of Jesus cleanses what the blood of bulls and goats cannot do. It cleanses the conscience. It removes guilt and fear. Do you hear me? It removes condemnation. I've had people sit across from me in front of my desk and cry, hot tears roll down their face onto their stomach and talk about things that they've done five years ago and ten years ago and they can't, they just seem to, it just, it's like it happened yesterday. And why are they dealing with that? And why is the enemy using those things from the past? Because they don't understand the goodness and the grace of God. Hear me, if there's something that Satan's haunting you with, I'm telling you, God has forgiven you. He has cleansed the record. There is no more condemnation, no more guilt for those who walk after Christ Jesus. Walk after the Spirit and not the flesh. See, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from the inside. This is the blood of Jesus. This is the blood of This is what only the blood can do. Purchases purchases us. It buys us. And and throws away the receipt. It's good news. It's a forever purchase. Then I want you to look at Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1 says Jesus is also the head of the body. Verse 18. He's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he, he might have first place in everything. Stop there. Hear me. What's that sake talking about? He's the firstborn from the dead. What does that mean? He's the first person who died spiritually, took on sin, died, took our sin, took the wages of sin. That's thunder. God's not coming back yet. And if he was, we wouldn't be here. Y'all get all freaked out, don't you? Ooh. That means I can preach longer. Because you don't want to go out there in a lightning storm, do you? Keep you safe. He is also the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. The first person to die and be risen again into this new life. And because of that, the Bible says many sons, many daughters come after him. We die, are dead in our trespasses and sin. We're baptized into the death of Jesus Christ. And then the Bible says we're raised in the newness of life with his resurrection. Firstborn from the dead so that he might come to have first place in everything. Next verse. For God was pleased to have all the fullness dwell in Jesus. Next verse. And through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Next verse. Once you were alienated, far away. 
Anybody been far from God? See, the blood brings you near. The blood draws you. Once you're alienated, alienated and hostile in your minds, expressed in your evil actions. Next verse. But now he has wrecked. Oh boy. This is so good right here. He has reconciled you by his physical body through his death. Stop there. What does the word reconcile mean? It means making one account consistent with another. You take this account and you make it look like this account. You see, our life spiritually is full of charges. Sin charges. That's why the Bible says he nailed all of our, the ordinances and all the sins that were against us, taking it away. Even if you never sinned, if that was possible, if you went in this world and you lived to be an age of accountability and you never sinned, which is not possible, but if it was possible, you'd still need redemption. Why? Because you were born into sin. See, you're not, you're not, you don't sin because you're a bad person. You sin because you're a sinner. You don't, you don't sin and then become a sinner. No, you are born a sinner. Therefore, you do what every good sinner does. You sin. It's natural. It's what you do. So therefore, you have these charges, these debts racked up. Now, unlike a financial debt, which you can pay, go out and work towards, get a job, make money, then you can pay the debt off. You can't do that with a spiritual debt. There's not, you don't have the right currency. Am I boring y'all today? You don't have the right currency. There's, you can't work hard enough for it. You can't earn it. You can't deserve it. So what is the currency? What clears us, cleanses our conscience, frees us from sin? What is it? Yes, the blood of Jesus. It's the blood of Jesus that cleanses us. Watch this. Watch this now. So we got these two accounts. Our account and the account of, the account of Jesus. How does he reconcile it? Well, he, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. So Jesus pays a price. Pleads the blood. Pours out his blood. It then is the currency which erases every charge that we have against us. And he takes our account and makes it look like his account. Wiping away all the charges, making it perfect and complete, sinless. I don't believe you, Pastor. Come on now. Perfect? But now he has reconciled you by his physical body through his death. To present you holy, faultless, say it with me, and blameless before him. Well, I ain't perfect. I'm not talking about your behavior. We know that. You ain't got to tell us that. We see Snapchat. We heard you at the grocery store the other day. We know you don't act perfect. But if you'll understand what Jesus Christ has done for you, 
you'll start acting like who you are. But if you think you're just a sinner and you're always just going to be a sinner, you're going to act like a sinner. You're going to make things like, well, you're going to say things like me. Well, you know that's just how, this is how you're going to say, you know that's just how I do. You, you know my mama, used to, <laughs> my mama used to be like, yeah, you, boy, you know she couldn't keep her mouth shut, boy. She'd be telling everybody off. You know that's how us Lancasters are. You know what you say. You know how you say it. You know the excuses you make. That's because you don't understand who you are in Christ Jesus. You are perfect, faultless and blameless before God. You see, it's either this way or it's no way. For those of you who want to be good enough, you'll never be good enough. Where you try to work on it and do things to earn it. You know, Carl, if it was about works, and about what I could do, I'd stand before God. If I tried really hard, Bree, you know what? I'd probably get before God and God'd say, Hmm, okay, well, mm, 72. That ain't too bad. In the light of perfection, 72 is not bad. I'd take a 72, wouldn't you? I mean, when it comes to life or death, anything below a 70 would be failing. I'd take a six, I did it all my life in school. You're looking at a straight C student right now talking to you. I'd take a 74 all day, but God don't do 74s. It's either 100 or nothing. Well, guess what that just done? Guess what that did? That just took you out of the picture. That just took every fault and every failure and every time you missed the mark, it, it just took it. It just erased it. See, this is either about works or it's about his grace. It's either about what he's done or it's about what you're doing. And friend, I do not want to stand before God and start trying to tally up good things that I have done because God is not good. Yeah, we said he was, but it's because we don't have the right term. God is not good. God is perfect. And if God's going to accept you into his family, you've got to be perfect. And on your own, and because... And up to your behavior and the, your performance, you can't do it. What's that do? What's that do? It puts us in desperate need of Jesus. You hear what I'm saying? In desperate need of Jesus Christ. He presents us holy, faultless, and blameless before him. You see, why is this about the blood? And I want you to just... Hold on just a minute. I'm fixing to end this thing. Why am I talking about the blood? Because the blood is the issue. It has always been the issue. Adam and Eve screwed it up for all of us, right? Eve said, have the fruit. The snake just told me. And you know, I think about how stupid Adam and Eve are. The snake is talking. People, for whatever reason, y'all like to have snakes as pets. Some of y'all. Y'all have not learned nothing. 
That is the only animal that is cursed in the Bible. He had feet. Now he don't have feet. Get you a fox, an iguana, a raccoon. Oh, here's a crazy idea. A dog. Adam said, or Eve said, Adam tried the fruit. They did. Sin entered into man, tainted the bloodline. And then from then on, that part of being born into sin, it ain't about what you do, it's who you are. You are born a sinner because the blood has been tainted. It's always been a blood problem. Mark chapter 5. I want you to look at this. This is a woman with an issue of blood. Now see, when you read the Bible, if you see anything other than Jesus in the stories of the Bible, you're reading the Bible wrong. The Old Testament points to Jesus. Every miracle, every healing, when Moses raises up the staff and the, and the Red Sea splits and the Israelites walk over on dry ground, that staff in the hand of Moses represents the cross of Jesus Christ getting you from one side to the other. You hear me? Everything in the Bible points to Jesus. Now look at this story. The King James Version says it like this, a woman with an issue of blood. The issue is still the blood. A woman. Now remember that. That's important. A woman. That's how he, this lady's being identified. A woman suffering from bleeding for 12 years. Had endured much under many doctors. Hold on, wait a minute. Doesn't that sound like the unbeliever? Trying to find purpose and meaning in their life. Remember before you got saved, you tried relationships and everything else, and it doesn't work. And you tried it all, and it didn't get better. In fact, you didn't get better. You got worse. Endured much under many doctors. She spent everything she had. She was not helped at all. In fact, she got worse. Next verse. Having heard about Jesus. Now that stopped just a minute. That's why we're doing what we're doing. I didn't take this job as a profession. Because this isn't a job. You hear me? This isn't something I just decided to do one day. This was a calling from God. That I couldn't shake. And believe me, I tried to shake it off. But I couldn't shake it off. I tried to do something else. But I couldn't do anything else. This is what God called me to do. This is why the church is here today as well. That somebody might hear Jesus. Let me tell you something about these churches that aren't preaching Jesus and preaching relationship. Either God save them or, or, or bring it into them. Because listen, we don't need religion. We don't need more steeples and more pews and more church rhetoric. We need the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray that people hear Jesus from this place. That people hear Jesus coming out of your mouth. Before they hear Remnant, I want them to hear Jesus. Before they hear Pastor Caleb, let them hear Master Jesus. Our Lord and our Savior, the one who brought us out. See, that's the title of this series, I forgot to tell you. Jesus. That's it. Jesus. That's it. I sat in front of my staff and I said, I got it. I know what I'm preaching. I said, Jesus. The message of the series is going to be entitled Jesus. And I don't know how long it's going to last. From here to eternity. Jesus. They looked at me and said, that's it? I said, that's it. 
That's it. I said, that's it. I said, that's it. Jesus, that's it. That's the answer. That's the solution. That's the message. Jesus and no, not, not, not Jesus plus anything. Just Jesus. Where was I at? Having heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd, made her way, pushed her way through, touched his clothing, the hem of his garment. And she said, if I just touch his clothes, I know I'll be made well. Next verse. Instantly her flow of blood ceased and she sensed in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Wait just a minute. For this woman to have this female disorder, this hemorrhaging of blood would also probably mean that she feels barren. That she couldn't bear children. And that is an issue today. But it was a great stigma back in this day that we're reading. Because, see, barrenness meant someone was doing something wrong. That's what the people thought. Because, see, in the Old Covenant, it talks about the blessing of a woman is the children. Their children shall be their blessing. So when they would see a woman who could not have children... They automatically think, I wonder what she's done. I wonder if it's her or her husband. Somebody, you know, that's the same thought that the disciples had with the blind man. When the blind, Jesus come up on the blind man and the disciples said, uh, Jesus, this man's blind. Who done wrong? Was it him? Was it his mother? Was it his father? Why is this, blind? this man blind? And Jesus said, the only reason he's blind is so that I can give him back his sight. So you've got to think this woman, not only is she dealing with this issue of blood, but she's also looked down upon. When they see her, they think, hmm, she's done something. He's done something. And not only would she have to take care of her physical body, but the spiritual and emotional heartbreak that went with not being able to have a child. touched the hem of the garment of Jesus and the blood ceased and she sensed in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Next verse. Jesus realized in himself, he said, somebody touched me. The disciples said, of course somebody touched you. There's people all around you. He said, no, somebody touched me. Really touched me. And when they touched me, I felt power come out of me and go into them. I don't know who it was. And he was looking around to see who'd done this thing. And the woman with fear and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Stop there. I've never, I've preached this a thousand times. But I've never seen this part. I just read over it. The Bible says she told him the whole truth. Now, there's two offices that I'm aware of that have the power to pardon someone. The president and the governor. But I found this out when it comes to pardoning someone, like of a crime I'm speaking of that they would commit. First, before you get pardoned, you must 
confess guilt. So you can't say, you need to pardon me, governor, because I didn't do this. No, then you don't get pardoned. You have to have a written record of where you said, I committed this crime. See, before you're going to receive this blood of Jesus I'm talking about, you're going to have to tell the whole truth. You're going to have to see nobody full of pride can come to Jesus. Nobody full of themselves has room for Jesus, you see. You've got to come out with the whole truth. And I'm not talking about writing down everything you've done wrong. You can just sum it up in this. Jesus, I can't do it on my own. I'm a mess. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. And Jesus will pardon you. She told him everything she'd done. Next verse. And then, see, just like that, what, what was she called at first? Woman. There was a woman. See, you won't. So I don't go around and tell my wife, hey, woman. Now, y'all might do that. Y'all's wives, but that's why y'all ain't happy. I don't say, hey, woman, give me something to drink. Hey, woman, scratch my back. That ain't going to get you nowhere. Hey, woman, no, don't even try it. I call her Holly. I really don't even call her that. I call her Baby. Baby, come scratch my back. Mmm, baby. Fill the blank. You know what I mean? Just whatever. Whatever. Whatever you need, you got that term of endearment's got to get a little stronger. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. Daughter, he said to her, he called her a woman, but when she touched him by faith, He became his daughter. And when you tell the truth, when you let it out, and you place your faith in Jesus Christ, he's still in the business of making men sons and women daughters. You hear me today? And then he said to her, your faith. She she didn't get baptized. She wasn't able to join a church. She she had just touched Jesus by faith. Tried everything else but heard that Jesus was coming by and she said, I'm going to do whatever I got to do to get to him. He said, your faith has saved you. Now watch this. Go in peace. Don't worry about how they're looking at you anymore, daughter. Don't worry about what they're thinking about you now, Daughter. I need to tell somebody right now, it doesn't matter what your past was. I don't care what you've done, who you've done it with, or how long you've been doing it. Can I tell you one touch of Jesus? One moment of you touching Jesus and Jesus touching you. He'll erase your past. Oh, yeah, they'll bring it up. Forget them. You need to get the spirit of discernment and figure out the voices you need to be listening to in your life. And the ones that are bringing up your past, you need to not listen to them. 
You need to listen to the ones that call you by who you are now. You hear what I'm saying? Go in peace. You've been healed from your affliction. I want you to stand with me. Now, this is not in time for an exit. Stand. Hold on. Give me three more minutes. Stand all across this building. He said to her, your faith has saved you. Now, listen. Something very important is going to happen here in the next few moments. There are some people who desperately need Jesus today. Whether there's one or there's ten. Whether there's two or there's two hundred. The Bible says all of heaven rejoices when one soul. I've been talking about the blood of Jesus today, and I want to end talking about the blood. In John, the 19th chapter, Jesus has been crucified. The two criminals, they're not sure if they're dead or not. They break their bones. The Roman soldiers break the bones of the criminals. Their legs, they help get them down. But with Jesus, they don't break any bones, which was prophesied. That not a bone would be broke on his body. But what the Roman soldier did, Robbers, he took a spear. And he took that spear and he drove it in the side of Jesus. See, Thomas spoke about that. Thomas said, I won't believe that Jesus has risen from the dead until I see the nail prints in his hands and the scar on his side. And the Roman soldier pierced his side with that spear. And out from his side flowed blood and water. This is very prophetic because the blood came out of his side because of asphyxiation and all the fluid around his lungs and his heart. That's why the water was there. It was fluid. It poured out on the ground symbolizing Jesus is going to pour his blood out upon the soil of the earth. What am I talking about? I'm talking about Jesus grabbing a handful of dirt, the creator, the one who created all things. Grab this handful of dirt and <laughs> breathe life into just dirt. That's why Paul would say, God has put a treasure inside an earthen vessel, a dirt clay pot. Why'd he grab up soil? Why'd the blood hit the soil? Because it's for all people, all. We hope that you were encouraged by today's message. If you were, please feel free to share on social media, subscribe, or leave us a review. We can't wait for you to join us here again.